flashes anyway, though, doesn't it? No, like that's the. Oh shit! I wasn't even looking at us. We are here. We just do another one anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway. Welcome uh, to episode 5 of The Bottle. Thanks for tuning in again and for supporting us in our last couple of episodes. Uh, where the two of us are kind of growling a bit here because we just recorded <laughs> a brilliant intro and then realised that it wasn't recorded. So recording. If you, if you can kind of <laughs> catch a little bit of uh, tetchiness in, in, in Enya's first sentence there, it's due to... Uh, Gritted <laughs> very, very Hello, this is The Bottle Podcast. Uh. Um, yeah, we're going to try... Uh, Make it seem like this is the first time that we've done this uh, interview. <laughs> we can't lie to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, in this episode, we have Paul Mullen and Joe Kearns from White Hag Brewery. They're gonna come up a bit later on, and we talk to them the day after their um, tap takeover here in the sky in the ground, which went really really well. Um, uh, we talk a little bit about the tap takeover itself, about the br- the brewery, about um, uh, Danny's just checking to make sure it's recording. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we yeah, so we have a nice chat to them. Yeah. Um uh, the beers were great. Um that yeah, the what the, the tap takeover. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> sorry to do all this again. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was fast. The boys were coming down and I actually unfortunately had to work that evening in Simon Amberson, so I got to miss the tap takeover. But I came down before work, I said, Well, I'm gonna have at least one point and so I had the three point seven percent the dry hop lemon sour and um, puka. Um, and I was like, yeah, I could only have the one. So, and the boys were a bit late arriving with that was the one keg everyone was waiting on. So I was like drinking coffee and cokes and stuff just to <laughs> try and pace myself and not have a pint before work. Well, not have multiple pints before work. Um, but yeah, it was worth the wait. Really, really good, real fresh. Um, just that bang of yeah citrus. Super uh, drinkable, yeah. Real like, summery. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, it was just a lovely sourness to it as yeah. well. It wasn't overpowering, so I think it was still quite um, a good entry level sour for someone who was mm-hmm. only getting into the style. Um, but yeah, just that freshness and just that beautiful citrusiness um, <laughs> <laughs> flavour to the beer. Yeah, it's it's been selling really, really well uh, all week. Uh, just put in another order for it there as well. People seem to be really, really enjoying it and coming back for more and more and more, which is great. And it's great to see people um, being open to trying sour beers. And um, I think that's, as you said, it's a great one to kind of start <clears> on and to kind of give people a taste of. This time last year, there'll be people buying pints and pints of yeah, sour beer. Yeah, like. pints of sour beer. We're, we're thinking of starting to sell our sour beer with Rennies on the side. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, because Declan did his Otterbank when the Vikings are coming that we had on tap. Um, and Simons and lads and Sky on tap as well. That's one of the beers that people ask about still on a daily basis. Is, yeah. is he going to brew the Vikings are coming again? And it's great that a new style has been opened up for so many drinkers now mm-hmm. like once you do get into sours it's like discovering craft beer for the first time yeah. because you start to discover loads of it, like blended sours your lambics your goes yeah. your barrel aged and kettle sours and it's just open up to a whole new world so it's mm-hmm. great kind of developments in the, in the Irish beer scene yeah I agree Um. also this week we both both bars have got in some uh, whiplash uh, we got in some kegs of rollover here and we also got some bottles of the Scaldy Porter and hmm. um, the rollover flew out over the weekend like people yes, beautiful yeah really seriously sessionable ipa um yeah, ma- so 3.8 um but taunt alex himself he's same hop he does uh we have cans of surrender to the void as well which is eight and a half percent kind of double ipa and the rollover which is basically it's baby brother same hopping rate so same amount of hops gone into it 
and it really comes true. Still loads of great body in the beer, really quaffable, like really you can just down pints of it. Like Lash it into yeah, you like yeah. Really, and people really yeah. People definitely agree because they were coming back for more and more and more. Uh, and I always think it's a good a good sight at the end of the night when, when I go downstairs after work and I see what the staff are drinking like. Yeah. And they're all hopping off uh, pints, uh, of, rollover, pints like. of rollover like because, you know, and then obviously they're selling it then if they enjoy it so much. That's but, nice, um, yeah, if you've got the staff behind yeah. us, as we've mentioned in other podcasts, yeah. we'll <laughs> yeah. sell beer like. Um, yeah, so have you had any other, other beer than um, that? Yeah, well, I, was, I had my sister's confirmation last Saturday, um, Saturday the 8th. Um, and that was really good, but you're kind of at a situation where you have to pick wisely, pick a beers, you can drink all day long, um, but, you know, 60 people in the house, and I was the only wanker that brought <laughs> different beer, like my mum had bought, like, loads of slabs of Heineken, loads of slabs of Guinness, and I was like, no, that's not good enough for me, uh, <laughs> popped over to Super Valley and got my own little selection, and I became, took all the attention away from my sister, really, on the day here, Every, all talk was about, the young fella with his funny beers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was mainly just cans of punk, and, um, some bottles of victory um yeah. pilsner as well nice kind of popular. Yeah, yeah it's just something that you can sip away on all day long and just enough to keep you interested um, but i did have to resort to to cans again as always always run out like never buy enough yeah but i've actually i couldn't remember ever having can again it's fun it does look like a, a, like <laughs> it's, a, a fun. it's you know when you're poor and stuff and you get to look at the, the, head, the, yeah, thing, yeah. the head like it is yeah. it's good engineering like it's mm. not that nice like but uh <laughs> it's uh, it's just good yeah it's interesting um, what's it? The widget? Is that what the widget? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the, I, there's always a bit of the podcast where I just say something stupid and get slagged. Like, <laughs> this is it now. Just yeah. talking about the engineering. How the fun! Of <laughs> How fun that could that kind of. That's it. Ruined. Didn't even say anything stupid in the last intro. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was a good weekend. Fun weekend of drinking. Um, like good family events where it's it's more about the occasion and being with family and just having a few beers to lubricate it. Um, so yeah, kept it simple. Nice one. And yourself, what about you? Um, no, actually, um, the only beers that I've had uh, were the Whiplash, the two Whiplash ones. Um, I actually haven't. I'm. I, I was gonna say I haven't tasted any of that Surrender of the Void, uh, yet. But then I just remembered that uh, when we were at the <laughs> Beaver Town event up in Dublin there a few weeks back, about a month ago, uh, we end up in the liquor rooms afterwards, and someone like everyone was very drunk. I think it was about three o'clock in the morning, and I seen a can like glowing on the counter of Surrender <laughs> to the Void, and there was no one standing around it, so I just took it like stole and it. yeah, stole it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there was no one around us. So at, at, at the time, as if it was open for whoever saw it. Like, <laughs> yeah, but at the time, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, nice one. So I, I just opened it and started drinking it, and then kind of um heard someone behind me kind of going, "Where's my can of Surrender to the Void?" And I panicked and I ran into the ladies' bathroom and um, poured the the rest of the beer into my glass and left the can. Yeah, down the no, 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 This was like a drunken panic situation. <laughs> like, you know, someone really was looking for their surrenders of void and I had it. So I, yeah, poured it into my glass, left the can in there and just like went back out. And I sure. can't remember who the person was. Um, Maybe if they're listening, uh, I was the person who stole your ear. But well, uh, I we, think we can give a can of Surrender to the Void from yeah. Simon's maybe as, as a prize to yeah. someone if they're willing to, to come forward yeah. and that uh, was me. try and jog Enya's memory. But uh, I still, I can't, the whole thing was clouded by the panic of me stealing their can that I can't really remember what the beer tastes like. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, so if you, if you want to donate one to me as well, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah, so <laughs> But yeah, so. Oh yeah, well, back to have I drank any beer? No, the only ones I've had of the Whiplash. Um, I did have some whiskeys. This week I had some 
last week um I was out drinking with the lads from Mulligans who were down for doing the the collaboration, collaboration with Deck. Uh, yeah, um so I had a few whiskies with those lads. Um I had the Hubigi twelve. It was the last of the the last bottle that we'd have. Uh, the Hubie E twelve has been discontinued now because of the whole like move towards no age statement whiskies, especially in the Japanese kind of whiskey scene. Um, because they just can't obviously keep up with stocks. Um, to keep, to keep because of their how, how popular mm, Japanese whiskey has become. Their own success. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of even you know Scotch and and Irish whiskey as well. Move uh, away from age yeah. statements moving to NAS uh, so I had the last couple of shots of the Hibiki 12 out of that bottle and then um, moved on to the Japanese uh, the Hibiki Japanese Harmony which is the replacement for the Japanese or the Hibiki 12 year old uh, really really lovely um, whiskey as well slightly sweeter uh, I probably kind of ruined like, it was probably a bad move drinking the Hibiki 12 first and then moving on to it because uh, I didn't quite enjoy it as much but a uh, really really drinkable whiskey uh, lovely kind of orange undertones but as I said maybe just slightly too sweet uh, but great all the same um, we were chatting about uh, um, you know I think a lot of people think if they're you know they, they correlate age statements with quality like mm. so if they see a 12 <clears throat> or an 18 stuck on a bottle that means, means better, it must like, be better yeah. but um, I think you know you were saying you know one of your favourite whiskeys is Paris Three Swallows and yeah that's... like I'm very not a massive novice not afraid to admit it when it comes to whiskey like mm. I've tasted ones I like tasted ones I don't like um, but at the moment, yeah, kind of developing a bit more of an interest in it. And yeah, Jemison, or sorry, Powers Tree Swallows, as you say, just single kind of pot still, no age statement. But yeah, yeah really lovely whiskey. Um, I'd recommend it for anyone like myself. Because yeah. I just kind of started off with, it used to be kind of Jemison, then kind of moved up to maybe Caskmates, which is, so it's got that link with beer. It's a Jemison mm. that they aged in um, Franciscan, uh, Franciscan Wells uh, barrels. That were originally, it's kind of complicated, but is it? Yeah. They share a barrel, so sometimes they get aged beer in it, sometimes they age whiskey in it. So it's kind of got both characteristics in these barrels that they use. Um, a really nice, light, easy drinking. Uh, Super easy drinking, yeah. yeah. Um, probably a bit too easy drinking for yeah. a real whiskey nerd, but for an entry level, it's really good. But now, yeah, getting into my pot stills, um, which are just real smooth, creamy mouthfeel. Mm. Um, Spiciness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I'll have to crack a few bottles open. Um, is that the term? Crack a few bottles of whiskey <laughs> yeah. open for the next yeah. bottle podcast? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I won't argue <laughs> with that one. Lash up a few bottles of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe like myself and Johnny have kept back a few bottles of the Hibiki 12 year old, so maybe I'll uh, yeah. open one Touch of those. the last two shots out of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the bottle that we're selling. Which I, yeah. <laughs> I should have left. Well, there. you know, we'll have some secret Hibiki 12. Uh, some nice stocks yeah yeah um, no we have some really nice uh, American whiskeys and American um, some bourbons down there as well at the moment um, cool. so maybe yeah we'll get some whiskey people in and share some whiskey with sure. them whiskey's if, in a bottle so that will yeah. keep our team yeah yeah it's a bottle mm. cool one yeah if people are interested in listening to a whiskey podcast let us know uh, we'll probably just do it regardless of how you feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to make people feel like they're included in yeah <laughs> um, yeah so that's pretty much it whiskey for me um I love whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we crack into the the. Yeah, so the next thing you'll hear is our deadly team tune, and then you will hear Joe Kearns and Paul Mullins. Thanks for listening.
Hello and welcome back to the Bottle Podcast. Uh, this week we are joined by Joe Kearns and Paul Mullen from uh, the White Hag. How are you getting on, lads? Good. How's it going? The lads recently, just last night, took part in a tap takeover in the sky on the ground in Wexford Town. So we've managed to get them out of their bed very early in the morning, which we apologise for, <laughs> um, with the promise of beer and chat. Um, what a prayers they brought the beer. <laughs> <laughs> with the promise of drinking their beer, which they left here last night, yeah. and uh, some cool chat. Um, so thanks for coming, lads. Tell us what you've brought along for us to drink. All right, so yeah, we just recently got back from uh, Milan in Italy. Um, I discovered this beer, Lover Beer, from the Shane Smith, who's kind of, we were talking about him a little bit last night. Yeah. Declan has done some stuff with Declan. Um, but uh, really, really like what the guy's doing. Uh, Walter is his name. Walter, yeah. Yeah, Walter. Walter. He's actually he's, uh, in Torino, but near Torino, uh, yeah. And uh, <coughs> to uh, last-minute visit to the brewery and uh, got to meet him. So. Yeah, they're um, they're they're actually outside Milan in in Torino, and it's actually pretty cool. His brewery is literally like in the basement of his house. Cool. And you just walk in, and it's everything's oak, everything's done in oak, and so oh, he's doing pretty good stuff. And these are some of his new ones that. We brought back, I don't think I, that's the apricot sour and, is that plum? That's oh, that's a, that's a saison, yeah. yeah. Cool, will we? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Cheers. <coughs> well, we'll keep this one for a minute. Taste this one first. So, how did that tap takeover go down last night? Well, happy? I think it went yeah. really well. It's good. Yeah. I was happy with it anyway. Beer was pouring well. People were enjoying it. Remind me, what beers did you have on last night? Um, we had the Puka Dry Hop Lemon Sour, brand new from the lads. We had the White IPA, the Red IPA, the Session IPA, the Nitro. Really put you on the spot here and What did you say? The bed down. It was six beers, yeah? Yes, yeah. six beers, yeah. The Nitro Chocolate Oatmeal Milk Stout. That's a hard one, that one. Get out. Did you say White Sour? White Sow? Yeah. White That's why you put a name on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a, it was like one of oh, our festival yeah. bars. Uh, you know, six deadly beers on. And uh, it was pretty epic, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah fun. Definitely fun. I think the crowd response was really good. So. Yeah, you got some good feedback, I think. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we could... Did you get any that you thought people were... Was the favourite? People I think I think back and yeah I think the red IPA a lot of people like I know a lot of the staff at the end of the night they were all drinking the red IPA yeah, and they all yeah. seemed to really enjoy it yeah um which was <coughs> I think it was shocking uh, <laughs> Johnny's Johnny's favorite as well the red IPA yeah, yeah. um yeah no that was that was uh probably one of the better ones mm. um right, the night and sour the night white sour because it's been here for yeah. a few weeks I think people are getting on to that and uh, mm-hmm. it's really nice on the night show you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Try hop lemon sour for me now was the the star. Yeah, yeah. that went really yeah. as well. It went really well as well. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to look around, but it's you know so. You think you recognize it in the glass, but. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the night, they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely went to a bit of the the lemon sour. We started, yeah. um, experimenting with it and putting them. Um, Elderflower cordial and stuff into it. Which actually was the drink took It wasn't all that great. No. <laughs> Don't try it home. <laughs> um, but um, no, actually, I think uh, you guys, I, I confirmed it, we're officially the first to tap that beer in the country. The Pukan? 
Uh, the Puka. Yeah. yeah, the Puka. Dale, the Swagman, got a keg. He would be the second, but because for some reason he lost all his couplers or something, <laughs> he couldn't get it tapped until later in the evening. So you guys were the first. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. No Wexford, Wexford, yeah. Wexford firmly stamping itself as like <clears throat> the heartbeat of the Irish sour beer, I reckon. Yeah, so I'm happy with that anyway. Yeah. So I um, suppose a little bit of background, um, Paul. You want to tell us a little bit about White Hag? Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure, which is very White unlikely, Hag. but yeah, I suppose White Hag got together in 2013. Didn't start brew until June 14. Um, we have our own. Uh, it's in Ballymote, uh, 5,000 square foot unit. Um, Joe was involved from day one in terms of getting the, the brewery build together, and uh, we launched at the Sligo Fla in 2014. Yeah, and uh, it was fun. Uh, Getting people's reaction to, you know, we had six beers straight off the bat. Um, I think every one of them were over 5%. <laughs> at the time, at yeah. The time, yeah. yeah. We also so got really lucky with the FLA launching uh, because we tried to set up a, or get a pop-up bar. Yeah, I remember I was going to ask you. I didn't know how much we could talk about it legally. Or no, <laughs> it was great. It's, done, it's, it's, done, it's done and dusted. So, But, uh, yeah, the VFI really kind of. For anyone who doesn't remember what happened, if you want to go through oh, it, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, we tried to get a pop up bar and we went, uh, obviously to the court to get the license, the temporary license, and we were surprised to meet uh, a lot of resistance actually from the, the VFI, the Vintners. Mm. What's that stand for? Vintners Federation, Federation yeah. Ireland. Ireland, yeah. So, the, the idea was that, um, we had a kind of a car park got, uh, we're bringing probably a lot of the uh, like uh, local breweries to, with, with us we were talking about eight breweries along with ourselves yeah. to launch us but I mean it was really just a craft uh, just a craft know. tent yeah, mm. yeah just to get get people drinking craft in the local area because mm. Sligo hasn't um, wouldn't have a huge uh, uh, following of craft and it's it's, no. uh, it's growing nicely now since the White Hag has opened yeah but <coughs> so you couldn't um, buy that advertisement really with no, and, and the thing is is that they actually it actually worked in our favour yeah. More so for them to, to fight us so hard because we ended up getting national newspapers and everything was on it. Because mm. somebody actually made the quote of, uh, what was it? Uh, what is White uh, craft beer is only a fad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. craft beer is only a fad. <laughs> I did a blog post at the time with that as my uh, yeah, yeah. tagline and... Um, Got in three kegs of the fly ale and sold them in Simon's and basically sold out within a week based on the <laughs> yeah. blog and the story. And yeah. Oh man, it was like, yeah, you couldn't buy that kind of advertisement. Yeah. So, so thankfully then, uh, like once that was kind of public knowledge of what happened, uh, all the pubs kind of rallied around us and we ended up having our beer in most of the pubs in Sligo for the fly, um, which worked out cool. Um, <laughs> except, for the, except for the names, uh, we won't mention that were the ones that fought us. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But um, <coughs> I still don't think one of them doesn't have any of our beer or never has. Yeah, yeah. Still maintaining it's all a fad. And yeah. His <laughs> 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 anger. Two years later. <laughs> well, there was a bit of actually like because, and it wasn't even our fault, but because of all the attention, there was actually some anger towards us like from the publicans uh, about that. You know, the ones that were against it, they got, it was like uh, they were treating it like it was our fault that papers picked that story up yeah. and mm. said and quoted them yeah. <laughs> and use their use their own words against us yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, then we yeah we did good fun and 
we slightly got the plan for two years in a row. Uh, next year, teamed up with the. Uh, we got into a cafe that was recently closed. Uh, got our own peaceful bar in. Uh, we got our license. Finally, uh, yeah. second year around, we were pouring beer and yeah. it was good fun. <laughs> it was good fun. Well, I think our, our official, uh, like, kind of international, not international, but national launch then was uh, at the September, was it August or September, yeah, yeah, RDS? Yeah, yeah, for us, uh, 2014 Irish Craft Beer Festival yeah. in the RDS. Uh, we arrived up with a... Seven. Well, Bob, one of the lads with us, his, uh, his uh, wedding bar uh, that was half falling apart. Uh, coolers weren't working. We'd, uh, we introduced the rockets. I think we had the rockets at that festival, didn't we? Um, we one. Yeah, we had one rocket tapped yeah. up, and uh, yeah, it was. And then we were just blown away by people's reaction. Then we'd, maybe we'd seven beers on. Yeah. <coughs> we, we had straight in at seven, like. Yeah. <laughs> so was, Don't make it easy for yourself. Yeah. We were setting up, and uh, obviously, you know, a lot of the other brewers knew or had heard that we were coming around, and um, I had a few people come over, and they're going, "You have you have seven beers," and I was. You know, we get talking about the beers, and they're like, "Wait, wait, you have a ten percent stout?" They're like, "Oh man, this is not gonna work." <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, this isn't gonna work in Ireland. You know, and where they walk into a pub and see six lagers in, in most pubs, like, and then, oh, ten different beers this is crazy madness. <laughs> so uh, we ended up de- having a really, really busy uh, booth at that festival, and yeah. it was a lot of. We got a lot of momentum after that, and um, by the end of the weekend, those same people that, that were the naysayers to me came over and said, wow, man. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, I think that, I don't know if it was a turning point in the whole country at the time, but like uh, from then, uh, you're seeing a lot more experimentation, I think, with Irish breweries, and a lot less kind of, you know, as Declan likes to call it, the Holy Trinity, the mm-hmm. pale ale, the red ale, and the stout. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion... I think because there's there's more breweries you know, starting up. I, in my opinion, I really think that uh, they're gonna have more success if they steer away from that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what, in my opinion, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Why why even open a brewery if you're gonna make the same beer as the guy next to you? Mm-hmm. So, and it's actually becoming harder for me. I've been doing this for eleven years professionally. It's getting harder for me to kind of like uh, maintain my creativity. You get busy in the brewery and, and things like that, but, uh, mm. you know, so you just got to keep finding inspiration. Mm. Yeah, so we've, yeah. Uh, since then, we've done, I think we have 19 beers yeah. done, and mm. I think we're 20 months in. Or yeah, 20, yeah. So we're, we're pushing the beer a month uh, mm. as, as, as <coughs> best as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we got in with Grand Crew Distribution in early 15, and uh, I think uh, there was a whole summer kind of building the brand and getting... Getting people uh, familiar with White Hag. Yeah. Um, was a long way away from everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I think the festival's helped in terms of getting the presence and people to mm-hmm. taste our beers. Um, but I think yeah, this year, uh, just the momentum is kind of with us now. We're seeing a lot of taps in Dublin and down here in Wexford yourself. See mm-hmm. number of beers on all the time and uh, Cork and Galway everywhere. Everywhere's getting behind it. So it's. Uh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, we had. I mean, like, you know, kind of going back to how this conversation started about our beginnings. Um, we started literally with. Unfortunately, I was still in the states when they when they bought the equipment. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, <laughs> so you weren't there from the very start. Yeah. I was, you're, I you're was Skyping. Yeah. I was <laughs> Skyping. Yeah, I was there, uh, you know, on paper and, and virtually. But uh, now the equipment was kind of already purchased uh, before I came over. Um, I landed here in January of 14. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the equipment arrived about, what, started coming in February? In February, February March, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then our biggest problem was is we, we got equipment that actually wasn't fit for purpose. Like our kettle wouldn't even boil water. So I had to, I had to have the kettle gutted and, and re-engineered. We had a, a gas engineer in there because our kettle's uh, LPG fired, it's gas fired. We had a, a gas and an engineer in there, what, three, four days trying to get this thing to, to he was boil water. To, to boil water. Like not even a full kettle, like yeah. a half kettle of water. <laughs> it wouldn't even break 92 degrees or something. And seven hours we had it going. And I was like, this just isn't right. So um, it was kind of like a double coil design inside the kettle. And I was looking at it from the moment it arrived, I was like, how is this going to work? You know? um, so finally, I told the gas engineer, just just go home. And <laughs> I'm going to call, is it Riello? Riello? Yeah. And uh, I called and I finally got talking to one of the engineers down there. And I said, this is the burner I have. What size is the flame? And he told me, and basically, it's like a six foot long flame by about, uh, I don't know how you work that in, in metric, but it's about six foot by three foot. And I said, right. So we had a local company come out and they literally fabricated us a tube that size and we had it welded in. Mm. And then now the thing, the thing will rip now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same issues with the, the mash tun. I had to have the bottom of the mash tun cut out and re refitted and redesigned. Um, our fermenters, the doors wouldn't even seal on it. You know, so you fill it up with beer and all of a sudden the manway's leaking everywhere. Uh. And <clears throat> I never thought in my, in like all my years doing this, I never thought that I should actually fill the fermenter with water to test to see if it's pressure sealed. Like, because, they, <laughs> because they send you pieces of paper that said that they were pressure tested. Yeah. And I'm looking at these pieces of paper going, right, you pressure tested this vessel, but it's, it won't seal at all. So I had to grind those out. Yeah. The bottling machine to this day, we're still trying to modify and upgrade it and get it. Uh, you know, mm. up to par with with modern bottling technologies. A lot of equipment hurdles yeah, for us yeah, in, yeah. in the beginning. I think uh, like a lot of like I think a lot of brewery guys when they start off, I think they all encounter the same problem to a point. Because mm. um, mm. just you know, it's such a new industry in the country that there's not a lot of people to to rely on and talk to. No. But I think mm. even ourselves, we were talking to other guys that are starting out. Uh, it's a lot more open now. Breweries are talking to each other, helping each other out. So. Mm. Talking to the guys in Yellow Valley, there, their their new brewery, and you know, share knowledge. I think it's it's key. You know, There's a, there um, was a bit of kind of um, keep to yourself kind of attitude two years yeah. ago, um, which I wasn't used to that because uh, the area I came from, there were four breweries in our town, within an area of about a quarter of a million people. You know, so four breweries wasn't too bad, but. At any given day, if you had a question or you needed a bag of malt or, you know, some hops or something, you could call any one of them up and they'd help you out, you know. Mm -hmm. there was a, there's a lot of camaraderie in this industry in the U.S. When I got here, it was kind of the opposite, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, 
you know, I want to want to try to talk to people, and I'm not going to say everybody was standoffish, mm-hmm. but you know, um, there was less than a handful of, of brewers that were you know helpful and whatever. So, um, but that's did, did you think that was more some of the longer established ones that were thinking of young upstarts or people coming into the scene that they didn't want more increased competition? Or well, like I actually, you know, is in terms of the guys that have been around the longest, I've actually had almost no contact with those people. Um, you know, we talked to <clears throat> oh, uh, Seamus O'Hara from O'Hara's because he does the RDS festival. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, that's the only contact I've ever had with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Franciscan Well, those guys, because they're maybe because they're so far away from us. But, um, you know, we have Beer Ireland now. Um, well, Beer Ireland was there, but it's grown. And I think there's a lot more kind of openness and more camaraderie, especially in that group. Mm-hmm. I think what happened maybe back then was a little bit of, you know, kind of the whole, uh, I'm from another country and I came over. To, and then a little bit of that, and also a little bit of, um, I think at the time, really, there was so many young startups, mm-hmm. and this injury, industry was so new that uh, nobody actually really knew anything. You know yeah. what I mean? So like... And I mean that in like the nicest yeah, yeah, possible yeah. way. I don't mean that in, like to put them down. I'm saying if you've never, you know, I'd say probably 90% of the breweries that have started up, the, the brewers that started those breweries had no previous professional experience, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like coming from the shed or from the kitchen mm. and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of investment involved, you know, and I'm not putting them down in any way. But at the same time, if if you can't help anybody, you just don't say anything. I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I think I think uh, just I think for me the last two years has kind of really exploded and has got momentum. Craft like I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean every pub now has a craft tap. Like it's not, it's the norm now. But uh, yeah. and I think the last two years, I think the brewers uh, are sticking together because they know they won't work together. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we, we all know this, our enemies are the big guys. Uh, so, uh, the likes of the Azure and Heineken, exactly. they're the enemies. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's yeah, it's white hag, it's not white gypsy. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, uh, no, it's, I think it's look, it's exciting times and uh, I think we're, what, are we at 3% now in America? Yeah. It's definitely, it's grown. When I, I'd say when I came over two years ago, the the industry, the the scene itself was probably 10 years behind what was in the States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in those two years, I'd say it's, you know, it's grown exponentially. So I'd say we're getting closer to like five years behind. You know, yeah. you're seeing the fact that um, our Heather Sauer placed in the top three for the Bure Awards, I think says a lot about mm-hmm. changing palettes, changing mm-hmm. palettes and, and people kind of coming around to this, you know. That's good. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's so where did you, what was, what were you doing prior to coming, moving to Ireland? Where were you working? <laughs> right, so I started. Or how did you meet? Or I don't um, know where you want to start with that one. There's a fantastic <coughs> website called probrewer.com. Uh, I left a www on there. <laughs> little inside joke. <laughs> um, we can play that at the end. Yeah? Yeah, I, I started. Yeah, I started brewing professionally. I started an apprenticeship uh, at a small brewery in Akron, Ohio, called Hop and Frog. Um, very small boutique brewery. Does very kind of uh, specialized, mostly big beers. You know, my kind of evolution of, of my own personal brewing, I'm sure it stems a lot from that. Like, 
the fact that we, our first seven beers are all over five percent, most of them over seven, mm. speaks volumes about that. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I was there, and then I did uh, a little bit of work at another brewery in Akron called Thirsty Dog, and they're actually growing pretty big. They're getting big now. I'm seeing them every when we were in the states. I've seen them in New York, which for brewery in the u.s it's very difficult to expand out because there's so many breweries you know it's um really squeezing everybody into like kind of their regional markets mm-hmm. unless you have a lot of money you know or you've been around for a long time like sierra nevada and sam adams i put that in quotes <laughs> but um yeah so from there i moved actually over to a uh, a small brew pub and with the sole intention of just being able to brew my own stuff, uh, I was kind of tired of brewing other people's stuff. And 2008, we also had, you know, kind of the same bubble. The world economy kind of crashed. And craft beer, the market really shrunk a bit as far as uh, sales volumes because people had less money. You know, People lost their jobs and they were losing their homes, so they couldn't really afford to buy expensive beer. Everybody went back to cheap $15 for a 30 pack you know mm-hmm. can lager like but um yeah I went to the brew pub it's called Main Street uh, Brewing Company and I was there for two years and really at the same time I hope they don't hear this but like the moment I walked in the door like I'd already outgrown the place you know what I mean it was like a small three barrel system um I would have been the smallest thing I ever ever brewed on but like because it was small we we're brewing constantly mm-hmm. and that really allowed me i think to kind of hone my recipes a bit because you're brewing all the time and brewing the same stuff a lot and then i think when i left there i had like 50 recipes you know what i mean and it was just from being in a brew pub it was really cool because we had no distribution we sold basically 99 percent of our beer at the pub mm-hmm. and so you could experiment around with a lot of it was stuff. probably more rewarding you get to <coughs> sit down at the end of your shift and enjoy a pint uh, that you brewed with friends and mm-hmm. other yeah. people and get immediate feedback you're not is that is that's yeah. actually yeah what i was going to say like is you get that immediate feedback which is really nice because like where the brewery was situated was actually above the bar and so people sitting at the bar you know you could like look down and watch and they might not even know you're up there you know what I mean? unless they you know look up but <laughs> i could watch people's reaction Mm-hmm. And they didn't know I was watching them. I mean, like, <laughs> if you give somebody a beer that you made, you're like, here, what do you think of this? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're staring at them. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. yeah I love this. <laughs> Best beer ever. You know, but so when they, when they don't know you're watching, you get the actual true response. Mm. And uh, it, it's cool. Because actually, as a production brewery, like we are, it's very rare for us to, to, to see. You know, we see that our kegs are coming back empty. But we don't have any idea who drank the beer. Yeah. You know, what they thought. And, yeah. and if you watch Untapped, you'll go crazy. You want to kill yourself. Or <laughs> because, like, you see somebody on there and, like, you know, you get, like, a, a beer that you're really happy with, you know, or beer you like a lot. And then, you know, some guy untaps it going, oh, this is garbage. You know, it's rubbish. <laughs> But I don't really like stout, so. Why did you buy it? Hey, why did you buy it? And and come on and rate it. Why did you read yeah. it? Yeah. I'm a real person. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings, man. Brewers, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, I gave up reading Untapped. Yeah. I couldn't do it. It's almost yeah. like reading film reviews if you're an actor and yeah. stuff. Oh, and 
the thing is, is I, I, people, do, I do keep an eye on it just as a oh, kind yeah, of quality kind of thing, just see what's what's happening. Because, uh, again, trying to get feedback That's, from yeah. the trade is kind of difficult. Sometimes mm. you do have to look at these this things. This is why I do suppose tap takeover and stuff are so important because yeah. it lets you go out and meet your fans and yeah. have a beer with them. And, you know, it's great. It's cool. great. Like just even like festivals and tap takeovers and any of these sort of events, it's great meeting the genuine beer lovers mm -hmm. and just explaining what our beers are about. Yeah. Um, and the people who are selling your beer, more importantly, right? Yeah. You kind of yeah, so open that. Mean, I didn't mean to leave you. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are great too. Me. And yeah. You guys are but, extremely important. Yeah, it's like the the. But bar we people, always have, we've always said as well, like your barmen are your salespeople. Yeah, exactly. and they're the people, and if they're passionate, they're behind your product. Yeah. they will sell it for you. Yeah, yeah. and the, the red dough is a prime example of that. You know, yeah, because the staff there are enjoying it, so they're like, yeah. "Oh, you should try this." Yeah, they're all passionate. Yeah. Yeah, that's key. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And then, <laughs> so the Irish market, obviously, it's quite small. And I think it's important for Irish breweries to start to export. I think you are definitely one of the, the main exponents of that in the in the country. Do you want to tell us a little yeah, bit um, about how that got yeah, off the we ground? We were fortunate enough. We had, a, we had a, a distributor in New York when we, when we were building the brewery. And we, we knew we had a starting off with uh, export. And um, it probably... You know, from uh, looking at the Irish market and the, the New York market, is totally different in terms of, as Joe was saying, there's 10 years maybe in the difference. But we uh, we developed kind of our, our range of Irish beers as well as export beers. Uh, we got a bit of a slate in at the start because mm. sometimes our people thought we weren't giving them beers to Irish people, even though Very that strong. wasn't true. <laughs> it was available. <laughs> but it was a 10.2 Imperial Open Stout that yeah. there's only certain pubs or, or, or off license that's going to carry it. But... Uh, no, so we, you've, we you've done different branding for export initiatives. Yeah, same and same that, but just you get your your mindset is thinking export as well. So you have all the different labels and you okay, know, it's yeah, a yeah. totally different mm -hmm. game. But um, then uh, then we start off into uh, I think uh, Italy, uh, France, uh, into the UK and uh, Northern Ireland. I think we did we did a small bit to Norway as well. So, um, but I think from the Irish craft beer. You know, the market is only 3%, but, I mean, globally, people, you know, seek out Irish beer. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we have the reputation. Um, and I think craft in the last three to four or five years has come on leaps and bounds, and people are recognising that Irish craft is, is of high quality now. Because um, that was one of the things in London we noticed that the, the rate bar kind of take over. The, they're kind of dubious of the Irish craft scene. Yeah, yeah, they're sceptical. Um, Sam Black was there. Rick from Kinnegar was there, we were there, and uh, it was very positive feedback, so it was great. It's really high quality brands, though. I mean, like, yeah, you've got so them representing your scene. You're yeah, no, it's great. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The people are getting to, uh, uh, I suppose, they're, they're aware now that the, the Irish scene is, 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 you know, come on leaps and bounds, really. Uh, yeah. Export is, if you're not looking at exports, then you're, you're, not, you're not doing it right because yeah. you have to, you know, we're on an island, you know what I mean? And, if, if if I'm selling you something and you're selling me something, like the economy's not moving, you know what I mean? We're just trading money around. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have to look at the fact, especially for us, that we're producing a product and we try to use as much Irish raw material as possible, but it, we're very limited, you know what I mean? Uh, there's really, there's, as far as I know, there's no specialty malts being malted in Ireland. Um, you know, there's like, if there's any hop growing, yeah, it's very boutique. It's yeah, it's very yeah. So, 
that's money leaving the country. And so if we if we're sending money out of the country to make a product and then I'm we're only selling to Irish people, like we're it's literally it's economy. we're yeah. sending money yeah. out of the country. So mm-hmm. um I'm not trying to get into economics, but like if you look at it from trying to grow a small business, we need you need to look at selling to the world because uh, it's just a much larger market. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and then at the same time it benefits everybody when you're bringing so you, like economically as a country you're measured on your your output not, exactly. not measured on your inward training or your inter- yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you're measured on your output exactly yeah i think one of the i suppose my own advice to any you know startup worry is to get in touch with board Bia. like uh they're a massive help mm. uh for uh, setting up kind of trade missions and you know getting uh they're promoting irish drinks abroad so i mean uh they're your first point uh, i call you know mm. talk to talk to them guys and uh get the mm. advice people have done it already uh, and their experiences because uh, it is difficult to, mm-hmm. to get into a market and launch a beer uh, there's a lot of obstacles um, you know even borders distributor uh, contracts deals yeah. uh, and, and the distributor quality you know the quality is massive then trying to get your you know we don't pasteurize beer or anything else or filtering so yeah. it's done all those horrible trade trips that you have to do over to Italy oh it's <laughs> terrible terrible <laughs> 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 uh, Board Bia, we, we met our Italian distributor because of Board Bia. They had set up, there was a, what, about 12 breweries or, and yeah. a couple cideries yeah. went over to Milan and at the expo. Now they, you know, Board Bia didn't go, here, here's a distributor, you know. They basically just, yeah, they, they set up a meeting and we can't, we got to go in and, well, he got to go in and I had to stay outside and guard the beer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a suitcase of beer that Joe wasn't going to uh, let go because um, the expo was so tight on security. They wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't let me in with the beer. <laughs> and Joe wasn't going to dump the beer. So it, uh, was like 30, <laughs> it was like 35 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Big suitcase of beer. So, uh, is this your own beer or stuff you'd picked yeah, up in your own beer? beer. All right. yeah. See, we kind of missed the boat. So you weren't allowed to bring beer into the trade well, expo? We were supposed to ship it over okay. sooner. Yeah, somehow we missed, we messed missed that the window up. there, um, so we thought we'd, we'd be able to smuggle some beer into the <laughs> into where. Nope. So it was like uh, I always say, it's like speed dating with these guys, these distributors. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of there's like eight of them lined up, and you had ten minutes slot with each one of them. It was exactly so, speed dating. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you had your pitch. Um, we had no beer. And no beer to get. But them. thankfully, uh, one of the girls in in the Milan office kind of kind of looked after the beer and then got it to the distributors afterwards, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so that, that's the process. We like basically kind of um, whittled it down to two distributors, and then you know we, we cho- chose uh, uh, Beergate in the end, which kind of been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, Your distributor can make you or break you. You know, if um, if they sure they can buy, they can promise they're going to buy ten pallets, and they can buy those ten pallets, but they don't go out and sell it. You know what I mean? The beer's just going to sit there and yeah. get yeah. old. Yeah, you're um, losing that freshness and exactly like so. It's, we chose basically a distributor that's about our size uh, and about uh, probably our age, if you look at it this way. And these were guys that are hungry, you know, to grow their own business, Mm -hmm. very organized, and they're doing a great job. We're really, really happy with them. And they invite us down to Milan all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important, yeah, if your distributor is as as reliant on your product succeeding as you are. Yeah. That's exactly. what you need. Yeah. Look, it's great. And, uh, I think it's coming back to the you know the, the nineteen beers as uh, from an export point of view. You're you're constantly being asked by your distributors what's what's your new beer or what's coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's a there's the 
you know the distributors are looking and see what new beers are coming you know the consumer wants a new selection every month so you know we're we're already yesterday just talking about trying to well not trying to we're talking about a new beer already uh even though the puka has just launched last mm. night but go on give us a bottle exclusive there <laughs> what's it gonna be i don't know <laughs> joseph I'm, just wakes up during the night and says no literally i'm gonna do a sour or something <laughs> yeah the puka was literally a, a like a, just a figment of my imagination we have the Fiona bar, the whip beer. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but the whip beers pre sixteen whatever, sixteen fifty, they were actually made with some lactobacillus, they were sour. Um so I was kinda of thinking, man, because I actually hate wit, right? So I don't hate it, but I just don't really care for <laughs> Not for you, yeah. I make one and mm. it's it's the biggest struggle for me because I normally don't make beer that I don't like. and But I keep trying to drop that beer, but people are drinking it, so I can't <laughs> drop it. So I was like, hmm. And I was sitting there and I was messing around one day, and I had a glass of the new, the, like a fresh batch of wit, and I was tasting it, but trying to like like it, you know. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say this about your beer. No, no, that's... So I was just messing around. I actually had some, I had some citric acid in the brewery for our bottle storage, or not bottle, or barrel storage solution stuff. And I was messing around, and I just started, you know, throwing some citric acid into it. Going, I wonder what this would be like, you know, just to make it a sour. Obviously, it's not the same thing, you know, but uh, <laughs> gives you a bit of a style. Yeah. But yeah, like it had this idea in my mind, and all of a sudden. I was like, geez, it kind of tastes like, you know, like some fresh squeezed lemonade, you know? And then, so anybody was coming in that day into the brewery, I was like, hey, try this. Try this. And they're like going, because really it was like a beer that I added some acid to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it probably wasn't good, but like, in my mind, like I had this. Anything was better than that Fiona Bar. Like, <laughs> I was looking at him. I remember he was giving me the glass and uh, I could see he was so excited. And I was looking at him and I was like. Uh, <laughs> all right, where are you going with this one? <laughs> uh, but look, this is the thing. Uh, like that's where the experimentation comes in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's what's fun about. It. So I literally, like, there was no, there was no test batch or anything. I thought about it for a couple of days, and I decided I knew, like, had in my mind what I was gonna do, and I could taste the beer in my head, you know, and and um, like it used, to, it didn't always, wasn't always this way, you know. If I had a new idea. In the beginning, you know, like the likes of Paul and those guys were, were kind of like, well, should we do a test batch, you know? I'm like, oh, no, man. What's your batch size? Uh, 30, yeah, between 3,000 and 3,500. So that's your, your gamble. Yeah. 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 Did I say 1,000? Yeah, 3,000. Yeah, yeah, 3,500. Yeah. 3,500. Like, what, five or six pallets of beer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> For a test batch. That's our <laughs> 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 pilot system. Yeah, so... Uh, no, I just, I, I remember, yeah, I remember that in the first few months, and then, well, the first day ever, I said, are we doing tests of the new beers or whatever? I said, no, no, so we brewed six days, so we filled the tanks, Yeah. and that was, the, that was you know, the first batches, first test was the one that hit the market, like. <laughs> but uh, since then, I just, I don't really, no, I, I don't, don't question know, me anymore. I don't question you anymore, no. so. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. yeah. We actually, the only beer that we've ever pilot batched is the Heather. Yeah. And that's because I've never worked with Heather before, and I needed to know how much to use. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but if we're working with the, an ingredient that I've worked with for 14 years, I don't really need to do a test batch to see how much to use. 
you know, you just kind of know what how much is going to give you what. And mm-hmm. I think guys, I've already really proud of the header salary. That's kind of when we go even in Ireland and then over to Italy and France and that. It's it's uh, it's just very unique offering. Like a, it's a beer with no hops, like hundred percent Groot Groot ale. Um, it's a true Irish beer. Yeah. So there's there's a heritage, there's a story behind it that's mm. actual tangible. It's not made up. Um, but uh, yeah, it was after twelve months of trialing and some mm. sweet header and some sour header, and we, we finally got it right <laughs> in, in the end. I see. So, yeah, well, thing was is that um, like I was putting heather into the fermenter, so I knew that if if it wasn't kept cold, it was gonna go sour. But in reality, like it should have always been a sour. Um, but there was at the time you couldn't sell a sour to anybody mm-hmm. in Ireland. So this is I'm like literally just two years ago. Like who were you gonna sell a sour to? Maybe like ten people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> even um, getting people to try a sour even yeah. yeah. at a festival oh, yeah. and you'd, you'd say the word they'd be like what? Uh, yeah. yeah. You mean it's, oh, it's gone off? You know. Mm-hmm. We I remember we had a sour on to happen. You kind of have to tell people, okay, you're gonna have a sip of this, but you really need to have a second and a third yeah. sip. I mean, mm-hmm. the first sip you're gonna be shocked, but by yeah. the second and third sip, and then they'll give you, yeah, 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 yeah. give us yeah. a point, give us a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the golden rule with sours is if you're your first time is to have three three mm-hmm. mouthfuls three and then, mouthfuls. then start thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. there's, but there's some there's some evolution involved in that. I mean, like if you look at you go think hunter gatherer, you know, things in nature. If you if people were running around, if, especially when they were migrating, like you might not know if you can eat something or not. But obviously they had to eat. But we've are kind of. Uh, our DNA is programmed and we've learned to avoid things that are bitter and to avoid things that are sour. Because in nature, if it's bitter, it's usually in like a plant or something that's mm. toxic. You know? mm-hmm. And if it's sour, it usually means that it's gone off. Mm. Mm-hmm. So something that could potentially, it's going to have microorganisms in it that'll make you sick. So, so you went for a dry hop sour. But that's like the whole thing. So, you know, that first sip of sour beer, your brain's going... Don't drink that. It's not good, you know. And you, you have to force your brain. And then once you get past that threshold, you mm. kind of reach this level of enlightenment. You've retrained your DNA. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you fall. Like for me, like I'm addicted to sour. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, it's, it's very, it can be very yeah. addictive. But it opens up a whole new world. I mean, so you, you start to like sour beers. There's just, it's a whole new world of yeah. brewing and beer styles. It's just like starting into beer again. Like exactly. When I started drinking them, I had just kind of got a bit tired of, you know, IPAs and just hops. Was, you know, they all just started to taste the same. It's like, yeah. all right, okay, oh. give me something new. And obviously, stouts and all are great. But then sours came along and that was just it for me then. Just, yeah, yeah. just a new world, you know. Yeah. Just uh, makes just more exciting. That's it. I mean, the puka is like, again, it's, 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 uh, our, our yeast is our own house culture um so there's, there's actually it's not a kettle sour either mm-hmm. like so it's a very unique beer um it's the first well yes 3.6 percent like i was kind of worried about joe uh, after 12 months i was like joe can you do a beer under five percent or <laughs> yeah. uh, is your skills just five percent plus <laughs> but uh we, we went out with the, the little fawn session i did which yeah. is kind of really taken off in ireland like people are really enjoying it mm-hmm. um, and then we have the Puka now it's a three point six percent dry hop lemon sour, uh, which by the way those two beers are exactly the weakest beers I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I looked back at my recipes and I realized that I had never made a beer under five percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I made the little font, 
Cause this, like, I just, I guess, it came from a background of brewing big beers. Um, Hop and Frog was famous for its imperial stout. I mean, in America, session IPAs around six, six and a half percent. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, all day IPAs almost five. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it just, yeah, that's you know, the thinking, the process there was, I never thought to make a beer under five percent. But I hear a lot of people talking now about, uh, you know, the Republicans want. Uh, you know, a session with a craft, but craft is getting a reputation for being, for being high strong. ABV and, mm. you know, the consumers are saying, oh, such a headache in the morning and I can't drink more than three or four pints and that. So, uh, I think there's a lot of talk. You'd probably know that on, on the yeah. on bear counter oh, as well. Definitely, like. but it's become a cliche. Like, fellas come in saying, oh, Jay's like 10 pints of Heineken and I had one of those yellow bellies and I had some head on me in the morning. So yeah. you had 11 pints of, yeah. of beer. It wasn't the one yeah. point yeah. of yellow belly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it was yellow belly's fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just touching into um, your Heather and your you mentioned barrels earlier. What is oh. do you have a much of a barrel program set up or what's your plan with that? And yeah, I know you've released some barrel, yeah, barrel age stuff already. Yeah, um, we're getting there. We're slowly trying to build up uh, our, you know, our barrel cooperage or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was it's kind of hard to get. I think you know decent barrels. Uh, but it's getting easier. There's actually, I know there's a few trips. Every brewer I talk to seems to be planning a trip to to France to get some barrels. Um, yeah, I think every brewer is out of the country at the end of May. I think. Yeah, <laughs> they're, all, they're all in France with yeah. their hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yes, yeah, I'm definitely like we're definitely trying to work that way. Uh, the biggest issue right now is that um, like I'm still the only brewer, and the only uh, bottle machine operator. So, uh, it's just, you know, it's time is what it is. And, but like, we're hopefully going to be hiring another brewer here within the next six months. If, if you know, there's a God <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that'll, that'll allow us me some more time to do the, more of those things. And we did release, uh, the Brett was a hundred percent and I actually was looking and I've asked a few people, I think it might've been the first 100% Catanomyces fermentation beer in done in Ireland yeah. um, which, commercially commercially yeah um, and that was done in a barrel is literally just one 225 liter barrel uh, grew up some some brett and fermented that beer the base beer of it was the little fawn and but it wasn't dry hopped and really Declan was supposed to be around with a bottle of that like so the bottle is still here <laughs> it's still here it is Declan still here a full bottle yeah so we can either drink Declan's bottle, <laughs> or, or we do have another bottle anyway to, yeah. to crack yeah. open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've also got some uh, different heathers going in different barrels with different uh, microbes. You know, some experimenting around with um, with our heather sour in barrels. In barrels, yeah. I would actually, for me, I would love to be doing uh, like full time a, a heather that's literally. You know, one hundred percent oak. Yeah. Because, well, if you ever get to taste some of these, you'll see why. It's just um, the the oak and the heather is kind of a just a perfect marriage because uh, they were just meant for each other. You know, I don't know. It's an old beer, you know. It's yeah. a really old beer it's, style. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can see how they would match well. It's that kind of farmyardy, that kind of boggy kind of. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think when the oak character gets, gets into that header, it's uh, just mellows the sourness on it. Yeah. And uh, 
just becomes a, a totally different beer and yeah it pulls it all together yeah it, yeah it makes the sour one with the beer where you have like flavors and then sour and then just kind of puts them all together yeah, yeah. Really well. yeah. but um no as a brewery i think like you know barrel aging is kind of where it's going i mean the us are leading the charge and that like yeah full scale just Barrel aging breweries like you know Staple Stave we had some of their beers recently. Crooked Stave. Crooked Stave. Staple. Staple. I couldn't remember what was. How did you even get to that? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I can smell that beer from here. I know it's. Yeah. I yeah. get real um. It's got tank cheesy. It's really a cheesy. Bit of smoke. It's got I think of some sort of vegetable. Yeah, it's. This is you look at the front. Is there a picture of it? Yes, this is a. I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, but Saison de Louvier. Good man. Um, Serpila. Advertised <laughs> uh, the farmhouse sour ale, and then that's where the English ends. Serpia. So, um, whatever this. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know if I like this. I like this beer so after the nose. It's <laughs> kind of smoked cheese, that gouda yeah. kind of. It's whatever. It's like chai. It's like a flower or a herb. Let's have a look. That's. Uh, I'm sure I could Google it, but. I don't remember what he said. Tastes a lot better than it smells, I think. Yeah. Sometimes these beers need to breathe a bit, don't they? Just get mm. Your man's in his dressing gown on the front there, anyway. He's <coughs> <laughs> picking the flowers. Yeah. I no. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully one day we'll have a giant warehouse full of barrels. You know, but like so, I love sours, and I would love to be doing all kinds of fun mixed fermentations like that. And actually, leaderage wise. Barrels are cheaper than stainless steel fermenters. They're just more maintenance, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've actually kind of looked at if we want to buy, say, you know, a seven thousand liter fermenter, you know, you're looking at like twenty grand. If you but you can get the same amount of literage in wood mm -hmm. for like less than half that mm -hmm. or a quarter of the cost. Mm -hmm. It's just uh it's just more time with labor. Yeah, maintenance. Labor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maintenance. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, yeah, it's just not getting set up for and space for that, for that program. Yeah, and space. You yeah. have to have the space to mm. the barrels. And yeah. But, um, what was the the black? You know, the, in the hamper last night there was a black bore. Um, that was barrel aged. In yeah. what barrels did you use for that one? That was yeah. That was barrel aged in um, uh, Highland Scotch. Scotch whiskey barrels, and a lot of you know, there's a little bit of controversy, I guess, because apparently, uh, in Ireland, you know, you just don't drink Scotch. Because apparently there's some sort of rivalry going on there. Yeah. But uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Scotch whiskey and rivalries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we like to we want to do something different. Well, I made sure they were Catholic whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's not go there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Declan, Declan insisted. So. Yeah. <laughs> the thing was is that uh, we you know the Black Boar is kind of one of the beers that gave us a name in the beginning. So we definitely wanted to do some, some barrel aging with it. It was really difficult to get bourbon barrels. And everybody else had already done Irish, Irish whiskey, whiskey barrels. Yeah. So I was just kind of left with, let's, let's do scotch. Which didn't hurt my feelings because I like, if you've had any of my beers, you find that every now and then you'll find peated malt in yeah. it. Uh, so I like smoke. Um, 
And again, I make beer that I like, and I usually just hope other people like it. Mm. I think that's the best way, though. I think if you're mm. trying to mm. to brew a beer for a particular group of people, you're not going to have that passion. You just mm. gotta hope that you've got similar yeah. tastes. Like some people are just just don't like the barrel aged black bull. You know, yeah. just the smoke is too much. It does. Mm. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Did it come through quite a bit then? Did it? Well, like it's definitely there. You can tell it was aged in Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. Yeah. Um, it was obviously a fresh enough kind of barrel as well. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, that was Still when the barrel showed up i i pulled the bung and i looked down and i said oh man you know it's cash drink too like mm. freshly dumped barrels mm. and uh went and got some pallets and set it up so i could roll it upside down and yeah. <laughs> collect some of the whiskey literally ended up with like 400 and some mils of like cash drink scotch at 11 in the morning yeah, it's oh, a bit man. of a team for Australia. <laughs> yeah. That was that was rosy nosed by by noon, I think. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. But um, I left the the rest of the barrels untouched. Like, just <laughs> one barrel that I robbed, um, and did come through. But the barrel, the the bottles, like I intentionally waxed them, not necessarily for aesthetic reasons, but the the wax serves a purpose in in keeping the oxygen out. So that means that you can you know cellar that beer. And that's my hope. Like we put it in a 750, and I waxed it, so people would look at it and go, oh, "I'm gonna wait for a special occasion," because mm. that beer's just only gonna continue to improve. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 12 months, near 12 months going yeah. into the barrels. Yeah, the, 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 the base beer. Yeah. So the Black Boars, that's another beer like it, that really needs a good 12 months because mm-hmm. when you have that kind of alcohol level, you know, it needs that time to, to smooth out in the bottle. And it will. The, the mm. alcohol flavors will meld. Have you kept a couple of cases for some tastings for over the next we, few we, years? We try your best. Yeah, yeah. we it's were trying to figure out the bottles that we had here yeah. last night. We were trying to figure out the age on them. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. there's ways of figuring out. I don't know if you're going to give the listeners an insight into how to okay. identify yeah. the, yeah. the how, how to identify what age their bottles are. Yeah, you can actually. Um, we we uh, switched bottles was it buddy? Three, three different bottles then, wasn't it? No, just two. Two, yeah, there were two. Um, that that's a whole other story. But <laughs> we switched, we switched bottles, and so I think we've done three three batches of black border this right, point. Um, obviously, ten percent is not a high volume mover. Mm-hmm. So, but so the first batch you would see in our old style bottle, which is the very kind of boring tall straight ish bottle and it would have a white hag cap the logo cap and then the second batch would be in the same bottle but it'll have a white cap yeah i think that's the one we had last night yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the third batch is in the new bottle and it's got a white cap but it's in the new style bottle which is basically the standard 330 mil bottle mm. that everybody uses yeah. um so yeah like you can tell the difference that way mm. and we should probably do some maybe the next batch like Different colored caps or do some identifying <laughs> marker. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have to put an age stamp or um, a date no. that's before on a, a number on a beer. One of yeah. two of we, we, we brew the beer. We, we kind of store it in the brewery. We don't let it out. You know, we try and try yeah. to age as long as in. possible try in the brewery. Which at least three months. You know. It's not easy when it's like a, it's like a bull child. Know, yeah, uh, it takes two <laughs> days it to brew it. It's, it's such a monster of a beer. Um, so it's I think it's coming up in the next month for brewing for. This winter, so like we would mm. try and get at least four or five months on it before we uh, release it. Oh man, it's a d- it's a d- yeah, it's a double brew day mm. to mm. make the black board. It's literally 
we have to fill the mash tun twice to fill the kettle once kind of thing. It's yeah, yeah. concentrated malt Gloopy. liquid, you mm. know. Yeah. Which is wort. Probably most people listen to this would know wort, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> malt liquid. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare to make. So I'm actually kind of glad that it's not a high volume seller. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it here, folks. If you want to annoy Joe Kearns, going back. It's funny because when you once you go out of stock of a beer, you just find everyone wants that beer. Yeah. Like it's just a typical thing. But it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing pe- people wanting your beers. Yeah. yeah. No. In fairness to we we have like I mean there is a rule like we don't let beer out unless we're happy like I mean mm. we're very strict about that in in the White Hag so. Um, you don't want anyone's first taste of your beer to be something no, that you are not a hundred percent happy with. So. Yeah. Mm. We do our best with it like it's all about quality at the end of the day like you know. Because uh, with a new beer, like it's that first experience with it that's gonna make or break uh, the brewery, you know. So yeah. um, it's important to have the beer, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know we're slowly getting there. We like I said, we're still messing with the bottling machine, still trying to improve our equipment, and mm. but you know it all takes money, and um, we don't have any. <laughs> I know, like when we launched, everybody was. I know I, I talked to some of the bloggers, and they were all like. They were kind of telling me the secret that everybody was researching us and trying to figure out, like, because we had a brand, you know, we had branded boxes, we had, you know, stamped caps four and four-pack yeah. carriers, and, and so everybody thought there was, like, big money. Big money. But really, it was just, you know, five guys that basically put all their money into it. And yeah. Now they're, to do it right. now they're all broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the bread line, actually. <laughs> But uh, no, it's great. We can go to these top takeovers and kind of drink for free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we can survive. Like we can survive. <laughs> survive yeah. on poop. Predominantly yeah. true <laughs> top takeovers and festivals. Yeah. yeah. So, every, uh, every now and then they feed you too. And then sometimes it's oh shit! I feel bad. Oh, well, they give me a few whistles yesterday. Yeah. You didn't feed the lads, and they were yeah. here from three o'clock yesterday really till four o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't. Dropping is going to go an exclusive. Yeah. There. <laughs> Don't come here for a top takeover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, he's arrived late for the wrestles. I think he only got one each in the end. Oh, I, just, I, was, I was so full. I had, like, a giant Subway sub before yeah. I got here. So. Oh, well, then. I don't feel yeah. too bad. No, I was fine. I tried. I did. I did. I did have to offer them cold battered sausages at about four o'clock this morning, and yeah. they didn't accept them. So. No, no. <laughs> with these cold battered sausages pointing at Mrs. Ambassador <laughs> oh, he, was, he was cussing himself all the way back to the beginning. Oh, yeah. like, I, I should have like, taken them sausages <laughs> oh, yeah. why did I get the sausages <laughs> I was like the last uh, one of the lads was coming out with us uh, and uh, I said is there any takeaway open <laughs> and he was like it's a long walk and I was like right right and then I was just told him get a breakfast roll you'll get a breakfast roll in two hours sausages off Johnny he was just being polite and I could tell he was just being polite because I think you me and Johnny were going to eat them and then Johnny just folded them up and put them in the bin I think you were raging yeah I was raging I love my food <laughs> so it's the what's the future what's the what's next the six months what's the plans um, next Can't. six months uh, yeah we're, we kind of just oh, yeah. booked our, our canning uh, schedule is um, I think six weeks time uh, we have uh, mobile canning coming um, so we're looking at uh, putting a session IPA into cans the first run um, we have a few mock-ups done of a few of our other beers. Hopefully, maybe the next uh, six to twelve months, get them into cans as well. Um, I think when you have the three thirty mil offering uh, in the bottles, 
cans, kegs and that. It's it's important to have a range of offering mm-hmm. uh, for different markets and that. So I think cans in Ireland are, are really taking off. You can talk to the Grand Crew this uh, last week. They say this summer has been kind of the year of cans. Uh, so be interested yeah. to see how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, London is just swamped with cans. Like Beaver mm-hmm. Town are <coughs> leading the charge there. Yeah. Um, and then the US is is all cans. Like you know, they're they're again they're way ahead of us on that. Um, now we we kind of we talked about this at the start. We thought it'd be just kind of a, a fad. We mentioned this word already, but uh, I was hoping. Yeah, I actually don't like. You don't like cans. I didn't. I'm coming around to it. It's essentially you're putting your beer in a plastic bag, you know, like because the inside of the can is lined with plastic mm-hmm. to you know prevent uh, interaction with the metal. Yeah. yeah, and uh, they say that they're BPA free now. Yeah, but uh, like you know just beer in a bag and I kind of had this uh, maybe kind of snobbish look at if you look at the American I call it devolution of beer where we went from a country you know in the 1800s where you had all these migrants coming in and bringing all these world-class styles of beer and then the Industrial Revolution hit and it just kind of went right down to that industrial lager thing and then all of a sudden, that's all anybody drank for the longest time up until like the 90s. I kind of viewed cans as the catalyst for that. You know, mm-hmm. to me, I get the always had this impression of like, you know, some fat bald guy in a stained wife beater T-shirt crushing a can on his head. You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> and, and it's it a great sales pitch for yeah. Yeah. Cans. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be me in five Are years. you putting your favorite weaker in cans? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, I seen like kind of craft beer was meant to like not be that, you know what I mean? Like it was meant to be like classy and glass is always, glass is always class. It's classy. Yeah. yeah, glasses. I, th- I think very good. There's, yeah. a, <laughs> there's a time for cans and there's a time for bottles. And I think uh, it just depends on the beer style. So I, th- I think, you know, you have your well, session, can, session beers. 24 IPAs at a festival, yeah. small cans. Yeah, yeah, or a good, yeah, a good, yeah, a good yeah. train journey, like yeah, four yeah, pocket yeah, cans. Yeah. I've definitely so six, convenience. Six, yeah. and, you know, people want it in craft, they don't want to just, you know, sit down. Well, they want it to bring catches it anywhere. people's attention as well. I know in here when we sell cans, when they go out, people always wonder, what's that like? Or they'll come up it's and five go, euro for yeah, a can. Yeah, yeah they, will give it, they will give out about it. But, uh, they'll always go, what's that guy drinking in there in that can? Or they'll ask at the counter if they see someone getting a can. Yeah. So it's yeah. a, it, it definitely works in that way. And when you walk into a shop and your cans, um, they look great, the, the photo that you yeah, showed so, us. Um, yeah, I think they'll be, be eye-catching. They're going to be released, hopefully, uh, probably six, seven weeks. And uh, see how that goes. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I won't have to bottle. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main reason you're going yeah, yeah, to the cans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got guys I, that. So. I dread it. Just yeah. the boring, the most boring thing you can do is to sit there and stare at a bottling machine going mm-hmm. for six hours, like just r- repetitive yeah. over and over. You know, and I'm sitting there going. That and brewing black board, they're your two, yeah. and, and, and the wit and the wit yeah. and cans, yeah. Joe Kearns hates these things, Alice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm actually looking forward because uh, the little fawn, we, we kind of just got our hop contract all sorted with for, uh, for our little fawn and stuff, and we have our like really fresh hops coming, so that's going to mm. be in the cans, that, that, yeah. that new batch of yeah. hops we have. So I just think the, I think it's going to be the best spot possible uh, quality in terms of... <laughs> the hope is The hope is that, you know, Obviously, it's gonna only help the the company if we can 
kind of get that little fawn on draft flavor where people can take it home. Mm. Uh, so I'm hopeful in that regard as well. Beer in a pub always tastes better. Oh, beer, yeah, a pint yeah. of beer in a pub always tastes You're never going to be able yeah. to compete with that. Yeah, like yeah. You're not going to be able to... So it's all about situations. And yeah. There's one other thing that's really uh, surprised me. We had the little fawn over in London on cask. You know, we don't... You know, cask yeah. isn't huge in Ireland. Like, mm. I think I think it's going to take a swing that back. Way. I think, you know, talking to Declan last night, he's, he's big into it as well. But uh, the little fawn <laughs> on cask... I'm actually surprised that this town isn't full of hand pumps because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he had his way. America trail of hand pumps across <laughs> the country. But uh, that beer really goes... Well, that it is it's yeah, nice yeah. yeah like i wouldn't normally be a big fan of warm flat beer yeah uh, the little fawn works i mean mm, like yeah. it had something to do with the temperature and the hops and the malt yeah. all come together but i just wouldn't i couldn't i don't know no we were it works well for we have a cask up in up in the pub and now literally we stick on a 20 liter cask every for the weekend yeah. but it does people's tastes are coming around to it especially those who would have been into their Guinness, they like that kind of softer level of carbonation. If you give mm. them a pint of mild on cask or a pint of pale ale on cask, it's they're not uh, completely against the idea. So no, we took away the yeah. fork in the weekend. It's yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Or pin, sorry, pin, pin in the weekend. Yeah, yeah. 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 Firkin's forty. It's a good word, though, isn't it? It is a good word. Yeah. I want Firkin. to get it in. I should have lied. Yeah. We have forty liter cask <laughs> yeah. every weekend. Firkin's default. Firkin. We'll just edit that. Just, what, uh, just all of the same freaking yeah. <laughs> those are great uh, are we, ed- we can edit it yeah so you know limericks I love limericks I mean <laughs> keep this in there once was a boy named Perkin who was always jerking his gherkin his father said Perkin stop jerking your gherkin your gherkin's for freaking not jerking we'll leave it on that one will we yeah. <laughs> thanks very much lads yeah. thanks yeah. for joining us yeah. um, for quick word on the beers I suppose we kind of do these oh, ratings yeah. now yeah um, we started um, rating our beers I don't know we shouldn't right. have got into that really yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we're stuck with it now um, um, we go first one for Fawn the, 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 the apricot one. sour that was, that was gorgeous think, yeah. really, really nice, good yeah. Yeah. I go 8.5 for me oh, you're, oh yeah. I keep forgetting that we do oh, you're doing a number scale yeah 1 to 10 yeah just don't rate it if you don't care for the style, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you remember my second don't go on, don't go on, don't go on on top. Uh, rain. <laughs> um, I would go eight. I'm hating the ratings, actually. Yeah, I, why do we do this? Let's stop, no ratings yeah, anymore. Oh, oh, sorry, we, really, like we got to do our ratings. Yeah. Like, you, you still get, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you can either rate it or just make a comment on it. Ah, well, okay, yeah, so, yeah, for fun is... Uh, the apricot sour i i like it but i'll be i'll be honest i've i'm a huge fan of the lover beer uh duva beer which is made with 20 percent grape must and if you ever get a chance if you ever see that definitely get that it's uh it's usually in like a red top so knowing what he can produce like for me yeah. this is this is good but it doesn't have the level of sour and complexity that I've had. Definitely not as sour stuff. as other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so... The, the second one, the cheese, cheese and onion. The saison. <laughs> cheese I think it tasted like Gouda and chives. Gouda and chives. Yeah, I can get that. Like this. Yeah. A good artisan pack of crisps. Like. Yeah. yeah. What are, what are, I need to look up what this is. Uh, obviously, it's all in Italian. And I only know about... Seven percent Italian. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so accurate, do it your seven percent. Any of those words on the back? Oh, definitely over five, anyway. 
I think this is what I was thought about earlier. So the success to starting a brewery is to get the fly into your town, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start working on that. Trish Lair's music. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Twice. How lucky are they? That's mm-hmm. yeah, in the uh, Silo's great for it, though. Yeah. There's, so much, there's so much, like, trad culture over there. Yeah, yeah. how you deserve it, yeah. You can keep us Is there is there any Irish speaking areas over here? Where? Uh, Ring. Waterford. Ring would be yeah. near yeah. Waterford. Yeah. Yeah, On Ring. About an hour away. Right. An hour and a half. Yeah, we're kind of between Donegal and Galway, and they're really good way talk areas. Yeah. And those people are really into that stuff, mm-hmm. and they should be because you know it's your heritage. Like you should yeah. all be. Yeah. Yeah, the, Irish, two weeks. the Irish on the bottles is always a nice touch. I like the fact that most of your beers are, <laughs> are in Irish. The funny yeah, thing is, we, all, we moved away from that. Completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, like, we basically yeah. have probably, you know, we bring yeah. out a beer every month nearly, and we we argue for about three weeks of every month. The name of the labels and making it and yeah. like it's and yeah, then I it's can, full on because yeah. do you remember the little phone? Yeah, we'd oh, such man. a debate about that, was that a, beer. That went on for like a month. Yeah, that you, we held the beer up in the tank just because we weren't sure what we were going to name it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was this all happening in a WhatsApp or Viber group? Yeah, we've, yeah. 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 Uh, so was we. Probably too many uh, WhatsApp groups now. We found that um, the Irish names, if the beer was Irish, like Chur and Bon, the white yeah. IPA, people just call it white IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it's uh, do, yeah, I would yeah, little fawn, but you call it little fawn, little fawn. Yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah, so we found the ones that had you know English names. People would actually call it by its yeah. name. Yeah, like Black Boar. Like yeah, Boar, like yeah. So we've we kind of moved into we've still, it's they're still getting like the Irish naming yeah. convention, like the puka. Yeah, is uh, an Irish creature. In mythology. Ghosts Technically, it should be on puka. Yeah, but we just said we go the puka. Yeah. Mm. Um, People start calling it the dentist. Yeah. They <laughs> refuse just to use the Irish prescription. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puka, like, I just yeah. say yeah. yeah. It's actually great fun when you, when you go out to Ireland and join a, you know, people ask you, how do you pronounce this name? Like, you know, oh. Fionnavar. Yeah. The Whitbeer, like, that's yeah. like. I still can't say it right. Yeah. Or drink it. 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 Or take five minutes takes probably an hour between his italian and his bad english and <laughs> me having no italian and then all our complicated names <laughs> a full-on hour for like really a five-minute conversation so, uh, it's it's fun thank god for google translate yeah. <laughs> yeah. nice we'll leave it on that then lads yeah, thanks, thanks very much for coming in and joining us and cheers yeah it's good